Hey, welcome to the Mission Manhood Podcast, where strong, healthy, mature masculinity is celebrated and encouraged. My name is Angela Abide. I am a woman, a mother, and a mental health professional. I'm really glad that you're here, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, I'm glad you're here. This is volume two of this series, Conversations with Jai, and this conversation is from episode two of The Deepening Place, A Wind in the Door. I'm really amazed at how relevant a lot of these topics still are, and you'll hear us talking about the election. It was the election of 2020, and it seems like we're coming back around again and having some of the same concerns. We talk about the problem with people leading their lives from a very egocentric place. We talk about cancel culture, the Constitution, and people's willingness and urgency to give their power away. We talk about the transformative power of inner work and the necessity of people doing their inner work so that they can wake up and become good leaders and stop trying to give power away or outsource that power to government authorities. We talk about government control, freedom, race, disillusionment, and division. We really, again, I said this last time, had no idea what we were in store for. We thought it was bad. We had no idea. And now I think we're at such a point that it's really easy for people to see. It almost feels like a point of no return. If we don't do something to try to heal then we're going to go in a really dangerous direction where losing freedoms that we have held so dear is a real possibility. One thing that we mentioned is the difference between opinions and feelings and perspective and experience. We shut down people's real perspective and experience in favor of opinions and feelings. And I think that's part of the council culture and why we're in such a dangerous place. If you have wisdom or some lived experience that you could share to help, if it's not politically correct, then you're unable to do that. And that is the real danger of not allowing people to speak. That is why it's so important that we maintain the freedom of speech and the freedom of expression, even though sometimes it leads in ways that make us uncomfortable. We don't really appreciate the freedom of speech and expression in other people, but it's important to maintain that. And finally, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about the difference between a civil war and a revolutionary war. And in a civil war, the people are fighting against each other. And in a revolutionary war, the people are rising up and coming together against the powers that be. And I hope it doesn't come to war. But as I often say, meet me in the middle for a love revolution. I don't think we have to have a war. I think we have to get serious about opening our eyes and seeing what's going on, getting centered within our heart and doing the work that we need to do so that we might become a light. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Jai. So, Jai, how's everything going for you? I'm having a pretty good weekend. How about you? Yeah, it's going well. Going good. 
on the first episode, we got a lot of my history, Angela, and I was curious if today we could talk more about where did the name The Deepening Place comes from? That's a weird story, but I love weird stories. I'll start way back and try to make this really short, but when I was in elementary school, it was introduced to Madeline Lingle. She has a book series. The first one was A Wrinkle in Time. It was just recently made into a movie. I've read the book. I haven't seen the movie. Oh, you did read the book? I've read the book, yep. Okay, so that was like my introduction to the mystic. If you mm-hmm. like, almost like I feel like that book found me. Years and years go by, and I was 25, around 25 years old, and I was going on a trip and checked out the second book in that series, A Wind in the Door. And so if you're not familiar with the book, in A Wrinkle in Time, she takes you way out into space from the perspective of these children, a son and daughter, and it, they're doing time travel through space. They're going to rescue Meg's fathers. I've always looked at that as the macro. They're going way out, and life is so huge we can't comprehend it. In the book, A Wind in the Door, they do exactly the opposite, and they go way, way down to a micro level, and the book actually takes place in the mitochondria of a cell in the body of Charles Wallace. Hmm. The mitochondria is like the power. Powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, each cell. So each cell in our body has this. So if you can imagine, like in the mitochondria of the cell, there was like this whole universe thing going on. And so that's where the story took place. When I was like, it's been probably 25 years ago. And in that book, at the very end of the book, the reason why the boy Charles Wallace was so sick was because in the mitochondria of one of his cells, these creatures were refusing to deepen. They were refusing to go to the deepening place and deepen. And they were just running around screeching and partying, and they were being told by the ekthros that it was okay for them not to deepen. It was like the idea of when the snake came to Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah. And was like, hey, you don't need all that stuff, you know? So it was kind of like the temptation to move away from their nature, and that's what was happening in this mitochondria. I thought then that one day I was going to do something And it was going to be named the deepening place because I thought to myself, that's what people are doing. They're refusing to deepen. They're refusing to return to their nature. So all these years later, the thing, I didn't know what it was going to be, is a podcast. Oh, okay. And I feel like what we are encountering right now is like this book playing out. We have so much division and people choosing sides, and really refusing to deepen. And when we're just operating out of our mind, we can't really see the other. And it's easy to X them out. And that's in the book, what the darkness was encouraging was to X things out so that the glory of God could not shine through that individual person or thing. There were other creatures besides humans. So I guess my question would be then, Who are we hoping to help with this message then? People that are running around screeching that the sky is falling, all the chicken littles. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Because they're really refusing to deepen in a way. They're focused on what's happening on the outside of them. And so I see two different types of people. You have 
the apathetic people who are just deciding to ignore it all and hope it goes away. And then there are the people who are so focused and concentrated on the darkness that they don't realize that the answer is for them to bring forth the light in their own life. Wow. That's a powerful message. So powerful. I feel like that that just resonated with me a lot. Our country was founded on a document that starts off, we the people. I think their idea was that the power should remain with the people. And since ancient times, we've always wanted to give that power away to someone else. And I've got another story for you, if you're ready. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. You might remember this one, because I know you grew up in the church, too. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, they were supposedly answering to God alone. They followed him around with a cloud and the fire and all that stuff, and it took a lot of faith. And one day they said, we want a leader, God. We don't want to follow you anymore. We want a king like all the other countries have. God said, why would you want a king when you have me? They're like, no, we want a king. And so God said, okay. And then Saul became the king of Israel. And they had so many problems because of that. But they were begging to give their power away. Before they were answerable directly to God or source they asked to put a human in the in between that, which I think we keep doing that. I agree. And so the message, or part of the message sounds like you're saying, maybe that we don't need that, what we're searching for with that outward expression of kind of authority is that's really inside of us. Exactly. It's hard to grasp it. But if you really think about it, if each person in the country or the world would say, I think I'm going to take that message seriously. I think I'm going to turn inwardly and see if I can work on my own healing so that I can be a source of light and love. And then we all join together. The policies would have to change because we would all be following the light. People that are following their light, they're not going to necessarily be Democrat or Republican. They're going to focus on being love. So when it comes down to an election, say, you're going to look and see which side is a better representation of love instead of who did I decide to pledge my allegiance to. I was raised very conservatively. I came from the South. And there have been times where I have seen the shift move to the left and times where the shift has moved to the right. And I really think That's a beautiful thing about the way we've set up our government. But right now, people are so upset about Donald Trump that we keep wanting to give away our power and want people to take over and make the government more in control, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. I was raised... uh... I wasn't raised Democrat. My parents told me that they voted Democrat, but it wasn't that serious. But I was, as I've gotten older, the people that voted Democrat, I noticed more and more a lot of those friends or people that I know are willing to give up an uncomfortable amount of authority for me. And there's something, my bold claim is that there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with being so disturbed by something external that you're giving up your ability to 
control yourself in your reaction to it. And that goes back to Donald Trump. Like, you're so furious that you're saying we need a government shutdown and impeach the president, whatever the case, you know what I'm saying? Something else has to happen and someone else has got to do it or we all got to do it together. But there's never any I statements in it. And so recently I've noticed that more and more. And I guess different from your experience, I never really saw the shift from right to left or Democrat to Republican really to mean anything. It's always been America's just, it's a really young, giant, rich country that may be extraordinarily lost compared to some other countries because there's so much that we have good here. It seems to be very lost on very small, petty stuff. So for me to shift between Democratic and Republican isn't even so much about what side we're on, conservative or liberal. It's still America. It's still supposed to be based on the foundations of of freedom and choice and liberty. And that seems to have gotten really lost. And from the perspective of where I was growing up, to your point, I can see why the shift happens in people. I can see why it happens over generations um, and through the decades. But I personally am on a journey to deepen my understanding and see why we have that divide at all in the first place. And I guess that goes back to your point about this. We have some separation between us and the creator. And I'm just trying to explore that a lot more as someone who's very confused about even the very next election. At this point where I'm in my spiritual journey, I really don't even care who's president. Quite frankly, I'm a peaceful person. I don't really need one. Once you get to a certain point in spirituality, you're working on you and your light and your deepening and be doing good in the world and what you can do. It just doesn't matter as much anymore. But I do think we are in such a moment of crisis that it's like an all hands on deck situation. We need people to start paying attention and start trying to help some of the ones that are on the fringes. We have the far right and we have the far left. And then we have the moderates on both sides. And then I think in the middle, you have the desert that we speak of so often. And it's just this place of disillusionment. Like some people are like, I can't be for that anymore, but they don't know where else to go because they can't be the other side either. And those are the people I feel like can start. We can start there with those people and then maybe in turn spread the light outward to both sides. Right now, what we're doing is both sides are becoming more and more radicalized and set against each other and sort of demonizing one one or the other. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I know more people entering that. Not that they're in the middle, like you said, that's a really good way to put it. But they're on their side, so to speak. They see the other side, they're like, all right, my view may not be 100%, but yours also isn't 100%, so where do I go? And I think that's the, what's the phrase people use here a lot? Vote for the lesser of two evils. I think that's how that currently exists. And then we just come to some false consensus on whatever that means. Remember when Edwin Edwards was running against David Duke in Louisiana? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. The bumper sticker, Edwin Edwards was a notorious crook that nobody thought would ever be reelected. But the bumper sticker at that time was vote for the crook. It's important. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Louisiana, I still assess Louisiana is a case study to what everything that maybe can go wrong in America. 
on so many levels might have happened in Louisiana. It really feels like it's a few decades ahead of the country in terms of all the turmoil. That's yeah. a great example. You said, I think it's a little worse on the left right now. And I would have to agree with that. And it has to do with the demonization. It started with President Trump. And it now has, it is spreading toward not just him, but it's to the point now where if someone has a flag in their front yard or is proud of, to be an American, it's really frowned upon. And I think this is so dangerous to our unity because we always had that. Regardless of what side you were on, we had that unity of being Americans. I would say yes and no to that one. Um, take my grandpa, for example. He's a World War II vet. He was a World War II vet. He passed last year. World War II vet. He owns a home. Some pretty, I guess you could say, classic American stuff he's done. He's pretty American. Drinks Budweiser. Towards his end, last summer, it had been, what, towards the middle of Trump's term or whenever it was. But I remember me and my sister talking about him, my grandfather, watching the election between Hillary and Donald Trump and having his perspective on that. And he really came out with a lot of stuff about never really feeling like part of America. He was just happy to be able to take part in some of the practices. And I think he speaks for, it really wasn't just himself. The women on that side of the family are a lot more quiet, like a lot more traditional Southern. And that was actually that his sentiment resonated pretty much throughout the family. I've learned that, especially in the black community where I'm from. A lot of people don't actually feel like part of this. And some of this turmoil, I think, is the realization that has been the case for a lot of people, not just black people. I think you put a lot of women in that case, in that scenario. I think you put a lot of people that don't identify with several traditional images. From my perspective and experience, some of this turmoil is legitimate. And going back to your point about the pendulum, people just aren't sure where to go with it. Kind of seal it off with my grandpa. He didn't, he was the first person to openly sit one of the first people I know to openly say, I don't want to vote for a president. I don't like either one opposed to the lesser of two evils. This is a World War II vet in my whole life. He's been very adamant about being what it means to be a man, me, American, yada, yada. And at this point, at the end of his life, he's, I'm not sure that we really went down the right path. And more people seem to be becoming aware of a lot of wrong turns that may have gotten us here. But One thing that your point brings up is racism in America and how it's just hurled all the time now. And I think it lessens its impact of something that's very serious about how that has really affected us as a nation and maybe how we can deal with that in a constructive way that can bring healing to people. I agree with you. I agree. Racism is thrown around to a dangerous point nowadays. Yeah, it just lessens. People don't even pay attention to it anymore. No, not really. I agree. The other day I was going through some papers and I found this sticky note I had scrawled a quote on, and it's a quote by Thomas Paine. It says, who dares not offend cannot be honest. Mm. One of the reasons that I wanted to create this space is because we are making it impossible for people to be honest and tell their truth. Everyone's so offendable nowadays. And it's hard to stay within the bounds of political correctness. I just thought it would be great to have a place where people from different perspectives 
different backgrounds, different thoughts can come together. And maybe we can model having conscious conversations on different topics. And we can say, oh, I don't agree with that. And this is my perspective and not really not lose our minds over it. (laughs) I laugh because yes, and I'm ready for that messiness. It's a pretty messy place. But at the same time, maybe that's a Maybe that's a fear and a projection I'm making that isn't really fair on the world because I've, you and I have those conversations and I'm, I know you have them in different circles and I do as well. And rarely does it turn into anything but really a positive outcome, particularly how you said speak from your perspective or at least from your experience. I think the other word that's getting thrown around too much and is really misunderstood is opinion. Your opinion can be wrong, but your perspective and your experience can't be wrong. That's the main part of discourse I think we can really change with this. We don't really talk about our opinions ever. I don't really know your opinions on much, but I do know your experience. I do know your perspective. And that's worth honoring and listening to. That's a good way to put it. We don't talk that much about opinion. I hadn't thought about that before. Another thing that people throw around a lot to invalidate someone's perspective or experience is feelings. How, how what do you mean? that hurts my feelings or I'm offended. I'm offended that you would say something like that. I think that's another thing that we can actually hold the space for someone's perspective without taking it personally, just to let it be what it is. That's their perspective. That's their experience. It doesn't have to do with me personally. Yes, I do have experience with that in my relationship very recently, honestly. It doesn't really matter what happened, but the point is one of us expressed a feeling about something. We came to a long discussion about what it means to just acknowledge a feeling or sometimes not acknowledging a feeling, just you have that and that's yours and how it's not really either person's responsibility to do something with it. It's really whoever the owner is. And I'm just giving that example because in the last few weeks, I've had a discussion about what that means. When you share feelings, acknowledging feelings and dismissing them, it is a new conversation for me. It gets kind of tricky in a relationship You don't need to offer an opinion about it. It's just really powerful to witness. If your partner said, I felt this way about what you just said, okay, thank you for sharing. That doesn't mean I need to mount defensive response against that. It just is what it is. That was her feeling or his feeling about it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's part of what I hope we can model here is even Jai, if I said something and you said, Angela, that really caused a reaction in me. I'm not really sure about it, but let me name it. And so that made me feel nervous or that made me feel offended. Then we can just talk about that feeling and what did that mean? And maybe why was that activated in you at those words? Like you say, let it get messy sometimes. Just allowing people to have their perspective and working through it in a respectful way. I have trouble getting the message across about a certain level of understanding that takes for feelings. There are For me, they're only so as important as to understand the emotion behind them. For example, I feel very happy when I'm playing with the dog. That's a feeling. And I'm happy, and it's a good, healthy, happy to explore. But I can leave that there. Or comparing it to, I feel angry when Donald Trump's talking on TV. My feelings don't really... It's not important for me to keep voicing that I'm angry. I just need to find that anger and explore that. And I don't have a great way of discussing that. And maybe that's something that's, that is definitely something else I'm looking to grow from. I'd love to hear more and discuss more. How do we cross that bridge with people that you 
the feelings really just are a bridge to really understand what's underneath you. People usually come to me when they cannot manage their mind and emotions. So one of the first things I try to work with them on is you have to learn to get quiet and start to observe your mind and emotions. And I think that what you're describing is you have that ability to stop when you notice the inflammation or activation happen, and then you observe it, and you think about what could that mean? Why did I get offended with that? And that little buffer zone between your thought or feeling and when you actually speak or act makes all the difference in the world. And so for sure, we can go deeper into that and maybe how to, but I think what you described is you're already doing that. You're already stopping and providing yourself a little buffer zone before you act or speak, which is awesome. And yes, that's a great way to describe something that I experienced, but I haven't been able to put into words. I definitely have a buffer. And maybe that's something I'm subconsciously sharing with my students and others. But thank you for giving me words to put to it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy to be here. Glad we're doing this.